0: Hey, what's going on? It's Dr. Mike T. Nelson here, back once again with episode 148 of the Flex Diet Podcast. And today we are talking with the sleep performance coach, uh, Angus Buckle. You can find him online at sleepcoach.com. And we get into all sorts of things about sleep and performance. As always, this podcast is brought to you by the Flex Diet Certification. Um, So far, I haven't taken any other sponsorships. Not that I'm against that per se, but if I get to that point, it would have to be something that would fit with the podcast and the audience. So, so far to date, I've turned all of them down. (laughs) Part of that is just because I want to interview people that I think are interesting and bring you good information. You may have heard of some of the people or they may be relatively new. And this just allows me to kind of follow my own curiosity also. So it's uh, brought to you by the certification I created, which is the Flex Diet Cert. You can learn eight different interventions to maximize your ability or if you're coaching clients, their ability because it is a complete coaching system. ...for better nutrition and recovery. Uh, The Flex Diet Cert will open again in early June. So that's coming up very soon, depending upon when you're listening to this. That's going to be June 2022. Go to flexdiet.com for all the information. You can get on the wait list there, which will put you on the daily newsletter. And you'll be the first person to know once it opens. I normally have some other uh, cool bonuses for you then also... Uh, once you enroll. And on this round, I'll still be able to answer any specific questions you have about the entire certification. So once you enroll, like you can literally ask me questions about the modules, things you didn't understand, uh, how to put it into practice, examples you have with clients, um, pretty much anything that's related to it. Um, Because my job is to help you understand the material and communicate it. And therefore, you can help yourself and help other people get better performance and recovery, and I'll do it without destroying your health. So go to flexdiet.com, F-L-E-X-D-I-T.com. And my brain's a little bit fried since I was at the REC conference this past weekend as I'm recording uh, this, so it was great to see lots of people again there like Dr. Brad Schoenfeld, buddy Dr. Stu Phillips, Dr. James Steele, Dr. James... Fisher, good buddy Andrew Coates. Uh, Check him out on Instagram. You can find him, Andrew Coates Fitness. And it was just a wonderful time. I forgot how much I actually like going to conferences since I haven't gone to too many in person. Uh, I will be at the ISSN conference uh, again this June. Uh, It'll be about the middle of the month in Florida. Hopefully this time I will not be doing a trip to Costa Rica beforehand, so I won't be stuck in quarantine anywhere. So, I apologize that I was not able to do my talk in Florida for the Neurosports Conference back in January due to that. So uh, that's the update on what's going around here. And uh, check out coming up with Angus here. We talk about sleep. We also talk a fair amount about uh, different ways to get better performance. What are some AM and PM routines uh, you should consider? A little bit about technology, uh, such as Oura Ring, uh, heart rate variability, and pretty much all things that are going to help you get better performance overall. So check out this podcast here with Angus Buckle of sleepcoach.com. Hey, what's going on? Welcome back to the Flex Diet Podcast. And today I'm talking with Angus all about sleep. So say hi. Hi. Hey, Mike. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Then, judging by the accent, can you tell people where you're from? Because I'm sure people will ask otherwise. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I, I'm from England, uh, although my name is Scottish. So, you know, the UK, we have the top part of a country, which is uh, Scotland and the kind of bottom part is England. Then there's a place called Wales on the the other side as well. So UK is split up into three main countries. So I've I've got a, it'd be like, I've got an American name, but I live in Mexico.
0: (laughs) Got it. Got it. And I'm guessing, but did you get interested in sleep? Because the friends I have in the UK, which granted this isn't over, generalization London area tend to complain about the cloudy overcast weather all the time but maybe that's just whenever I talk to them
1: <laughs> it is true yeah I've, I've not actually been in England that often in the past uh, 12 months because it is uh it's very inconsistent with weather and it's very cloudy so I've uh you know I've been finding the sun in, in other places
0: what other places
1: so during lockdown I I had enough of being locked in uh, by the prime minister he wasn't you know, we, we the gyms were shut, and you know a lot of I know Canadians, Americans were locked down as well. Uh, so I managed to get a business visa to Bali, and Bali was you know pretty much uh, open. So you could go to gyms, you could go to restaurants, go to the beach. So I spent a few months there. Um, then from there, Bali locked down. I was there for about six weeks, and they locked down. So I was like, okay, need to find another place where the gyms are open. And managed to find a place in Spain, Mallorca. So it's kind of like an island near Ibiza, sort of um, in the Balearic oh, okay. Islands. Oh, uh, So really beautiful there. Um, so I moved there for a while, and then went to Dubai, and then back to the um, uh, back to Spain for a little bit in Barcelona and Marbella. Then back to England for Christmas, and I've been back to Dubai, and I'm back in England now. So um, building up, building up the emotions.
0: Got it. How was Dubai? I've heard. Uh interesting things not really negative or positive but it's uh very different is what i've heard from most people
1: yeah i i think you probably relate it to miami it's it's a lot of pe- ambitious people in one place the you know not that i'd eat a mars bar but you know mars bar is about uh four bucks right so you know oh wow you kind of, <laughs> the, when you go to the shop uh, of the store you know you're gonna find things uh the cost of living is uh is a lot more in other places, but the the tax benefits a lot of people are there uh, for that, mm. so they can kind of write that off in cost of living. But yeah, the it, it's interesting. I, I've been there for two stints, and I ended up missing nature because they do have lovely beaches, but there's practically no greenery. So depending where you live, you could be in a, a high rise kind of block. One place I was staying on the seventy fifth floor, and around me was just desert and buildings there's literally no hmm. green no nature and after a while it did start to get to me so i, I actually moved next to a golf course and it had birds and it had grass <laughs> so i found i found the nature and i also stayed on a racetrack uh it's, it's actually the biggest hotel in the world because of the uh the premise um and um yeah found some green there as well so overall it it, it was great for you know two like two months and then after that i was kind of itching to to get back to the uk you know where i'm at now with spring just seeing so much green and all the nature around um you know you might if you hear uh some birds singing in the background there's a there's a local thrush next to me that wakes me up at five in the morning <laughs> singing so if you can hear some uh some birds singing then that's the, that's what's going on in the background
0: nice i think that would be weird because i've grown up my whole life basically in minnesota where there's trees and it's green granted we've got you know six months of winter where it's direct opposite but at least in winter it's relatively sunny and cold Um, but i think yeah just i have friends who lived in new york city and some of them a couple clients there still love it Uh, but yeah just the concrete jungle just feels weird to me like i just walk out and i just feel a lot more stressed and maybe that's just because i'm not used to it too
1: yeah, I think it's a great point, and I, and I think as a society we're probably overstressed and under recovered. And the the more I've looked into you know recovery and um, you know relaxing on the weekends, things like you know going for a long dog walk, getting into nature, I, I think I just feel mentally so much better. Um, even just bird watching, it might you know <laughs> I'd probably laugh at this version of me as a as a younger version saying, well, mm-hmm. "What's he talking about, bird watching?" But just being out in nature. Uh, distracts our mind and a lot of clients I, I work with kind of like 3 p.m we disconnect from work and and go outside for an hour because uh, i think the the average prisoner in america has more time outside than the average child because they have one oh, wow. hour outside a day and that you know the children have you know option have the option hopefully to be able to go outside so so yeah the more the more i spend in nature the happier i am and i when i was younger i had a uh, a kind of vision to live in a flat in central London, you know that was the dream. But honestly, the concrete uh, jungle isn't for me anymore. I'd, I'd much rather have that kind of uh, disconnect, um, and you know, nature for sure.
0: Yeah, a couple of times I've been in the past to to London, and it was great. I loved it. it other than the price was stupid expensive, um, but man, trying to live there, I think would be like similar to New York City in the U.S. where they had some good parks, right? So you could you could go and, and find a park. It wasn't like it was impossible, but just I sometimes wonder about the having options to do anything at any time with super bright lights. Like uh, Tokyo, Japan, was the same way. It was cool to visit. It was amazing, but if I had to live there, I yeah, you'd have to be very a lot of effort to go find greenery and to relax. I think in those types of environments.
1: Yeah, yeah. London, I remember when I went to Thailand for uh, three months and I came back and it was my first day back into my corporate job and I'd been living in the jungle and I'd been around all these amazing people, you know, mainly Buddhists, so they're just really relaxed, chilled out people. And um, The first day I got off the train in, in London, very similar to Tokyo, you know, jam-packed with people in the mornings in rush mm-hmm. hour and people were barging me and like running to work and I just stopped and I just let the whole platform pass me. And I was like, this is just a different world because I went from a place where everybody was loving and caring to no one cared about anybody. And I was like, this isn't the environment I want to be around anymore. And it's you know, one train gets delayed in in London Waterloo, and it builds and it builds, and then there's just a crowd, and it's just a horribly, it's it's very stressful. But it but it is a culture is is you know, people are are very stressed in London, and it's it's maybe a lot of self centered people as well because they're you know, you compare it to the buddhism and and thailand and go actually have these guys got it better they might have as much money but have they got more happiness so you know it's interesting
0: yeah or other my other perspective is you can take up kiteboarding and learn to kiteboard and go play in the ocean and play in nature outside which i think is always a good thing whether you surf mountain bike whatever i always encourage people to do some type of recreation and if it involves a more complex motor skill and you can do that motor skill outside i think even better
1: yeah and, and mix it up as well it's something new for the brain isn't it so it's uh mm-hmm. you know, the motor skills and i hear a lot of high performers talk about surfing because it's a test really is a quite a dangerous thing to do but it can also be very calming and relaxing at the same time so um yeah definitely looking for you know team sports i think are fantastic And, you know, I know you're a HRV specialist uh, and I track my clients, HRV with with rings, just seeing people's HRV go up after a weekend of socializing and the release of oxytocin and, you know, getting to disconnect from from life and the stresses of work and just go and have fun for a little bit. And I think more people need to have permission to have fun because the comparison culture we're in is we should all probably be billionaires driving Bentleys and have supermodel wives. Right. But if we can actually just go and disconnect from our dreams for a day once a week and play the long game in success and, and kind of remove that comparison, I think is uh, is something we all need to do more. I've, I've worked with so many people who are already successful business people, you know, six, seven, eight figure entrepreneurs, and they run extremely successful businesses. And, and then I can't have time off. And then we kind of look at how their HRV is going and what's going on with their energy and saying, well, actually, we need to... To have a pit stop, a bit like a Formula One car. A Formula One car can only win a race with a pre-planned pit stop. That's what I'm saying. I still want you to win a race, but I want you to have a pre-planned break. And that break can be whatever you want to do. Uh, it could even be something like playing the piano, you know, you talk about neurologically mm-hmm. and, and actually test like doing something different, something creative. I think uh, those kind of activities are really fun for people. Cause I I think we all have a creative side. It's just whether we tap into it or not.
0: Yeah, I've done something similar, and I think. <coughs> recreation is a little bit of an easier jumping off point for people because especially some of the super busy clients I work with, same thing. If I said, okay, just take a day off, they're like, what are you crazy? I can't do that. I've got all this (laughs) other stuff going on. But if I convince them, quote unquote, to take an hour to learn to play tennis, go play golf, you know, go kiteboard, do something that's going to be recreation harder outside. And the people who have done that, I don't really care what they do. I think there's just that other part that allows your brain to think of new ideas, right? So the amount of time that I've been kiteboarding and thought of other ideas for business or articles or different things like that. And when I worked on the flex diet cert, I would come up with ideas and frameworks, and then I would lock myself in a flow chamber for 90 minutes to two hours, just trying to remove as many other distractions as possible, just to try to work through things i think is it's a hard sell up front but the people who have done it i can't think of a single person who came back and said oh no that wasn't worth it at all it's just a, it's a little bit of a hard on-ramp
1: yeah for sure and and the five i work with they love data so you know one of yep. the a client came to me uh you know very successful and you know i said you know potentially we should look at having a day off before i'd finished the sentence so he just looked at me and said i cannot have a day off I said okay cool let's loop back around to this and, and then we're looking at his hrv oh what, what can i do to improve it well i said okay mm-hmm. you, know, you, you kind of got the seesaw is your stress is going up here with your sympathetic and you, you don't really have the recovery so if we can engage in some recovery activity uh like a massage let's let's book in a massage weekly or a float tank like I said so maybe once a week we could do a float tank The second weekend of the month, uh, we would do a massage. The third, we would go to the beach. Uh, The fourth, we would do something different. And uh, it was the competitiveness for the data is where they wanted to improve the HRV. And therefore, they kind of negotiated, yeah, I actually will go for one of these uh, recovery activities, which is pretty cool. And then it did improve. And then they ended up working less. But for most people, it's actually working less and making more money. Because like you were saying with the creative ideas, when we can tap into that alpha brainwave state, and we can kind of get into that creative place that could be really, really beneficial for ideas in our business and in life, because we have less thoughts and we can kind of start funneling the thoughts down and then focus strategically, maybe on one decision or be in the distracted brain where, you know, the left and the right brain are talking to each other. and We go for a jog. I love going for a jog when I've got a big problem to solve because I can distract my brain, but get both sides of my brain talking to each other Within twenty to thirty minutes, I might then get into it, and then boom, there it is. Like I've managed to sort of solve a problem while I've gone for a jog, rather than if I sat bit of a computer, is too many thoughts, too many distractions, and it's not creative. Whereas the disconnect can actually really help tap into uh, the creative side.
0: Yeah, and my my perfect role that I've been able to do a little bit more over the past couple of years is I separate input and output. So if there's something I'm trying to solve or product or something, I'll have a period of input where I read a bunch of the studies, go through, try to take in as much information as I can. And then in a perfect world, then I would go kiteboarding for a couple of weeks and I wouldn't even read a single thing at all, or I would read something that's completely different. And I think exactly what you were saying, having that period of time where you still have to concentrate on it, but as you get better, it's not as much concentration but you can't completely check out because this has happened to me a few times where I'm like, oh, I'm riding along. Yay, this is fun. Yay. And then, oh, what did I have to do yesterday? Ah, boom. You like <laughs> have this horrific craft because you you checked out completely, which you know has a yeah. consequence. So your brain then kind of learns. It's even like driving for some people, which has its pros and cons because consequences. Let's hey, Mike. Sorry about that. My uh, internet just decided to take a hiatus so (laughs) no worries um but yeah i was saying like even kiteboarding you can't if you do something like that you can't just necessarily check out entirely because you'll tend to crash but i think being that just semi distracted state allows other parts of your brain to solve problems kind of subconsciously too
1: yeah and i think um I think daily, you know, kind of looking at a morning routine, evening routine, that could be a great opportunity for the alpha brainwave state after waking and near the end of the day. And and I think a lot of us reach reach a sort of adenosine capacity and a, a focus capacity in the afternoon. And a lot of people kind of say that they feel like tired and um maybe lethargic around sort of three to five PM if you've been working since, you know, 7 a.m. And I think we're we're potentially Pushing ourselves all day where we reach capacity, where that's a great uh, opportunity for, you know, to go uh, skateboarding, right? To go surfing, to play the piano, to go to to go into nature for an hour, to disconnect. And then the high performer still wants to get a bunch of stuff done, but to come back re-energized and reinvigorated. Um, you know, before this call, I actually had a cold shower. So, uh, you know, it's a bit late for me to have caffeine, but uh, a cold shower can be a great natural boost. And sometimes I'll use that if I'm not getting enough movement from a call. So there are are loads of cool things we can do naturally. And I know you're a big fan of that to, you know, um, sort of re-engage with energy to kind of, you know, speed up to, we we need to kind of have the disconnection again, the Formula One car, have the pit stop to then be able to perform at our best. Because I think so many people continue to work later and later and later into the evening but nobody got more productive the later they worked. So can we say, actually, your peak brain time, let's get a good night's sleep. Let's really be able to be way more efficient in the morning, make less mistakes, and uh, be able to get it done, hopefully, like, a lot faster. Therefore, we can actually spend less time working and more time surfing and skateboarding and spend a time with family doing all the fun stuff.
0: Yeah, I found that for myself years ago. Like, my perfect time to lift was between 1 and 3 in the afternoon and i find that it's a good break in my day and even after that it's almost like i get an extra you know couple hours to do you know email follow up you know stuff like that i if i have to work all the way through the day that afternoon period tends to be quite slow so i i would agree with that
1: And are you, are you a sort of, um, would you regard yourself as a morning lock? So you you go to bed about kind of 10 and wake up around six.
0: Um, I, I found that, I don't know if I am naturally, but I've kind of pushed myself that direction because I find that if I can get up earlier in the morning, I can usually get more stuff done. I can usually lift earlier and then go to bed earlier. Yep. I tend to feel better. Um, I've done everything in between when I was in college, doing my master's, I would, I'd stay up till one to three in the morning most of the time, which probably not the best idea, but made it work. Um, yeah. Do you, do you think those chronotypes are sort of fixed in stone or do you think they're kind of plastic, like they can be moved around more than what we realize?
1: Yeah, it, great question. So, you know, when we're, the, the estimation is that from 2165, we sink into our chronotype. So we'll be kind of settled into a morning lock or a night owl. Um, you know, when we're an infant and a baby we're sleeping 17 hours a day, then we're moving into the teenage phase can be sort of like, you know, it can be 11 hours a day, right? So if your teenager is laying in bed, don't call them lazy. It's a very important uh, (laughs) mode for growth, right? For their brain and their body. And it's why you'll kind of see a teenager and go, oh my God, how the hell have they got six foot tall in a very short period of time? Cause that growth is extremely important. And then as we get into adulthood between seven and nine hours is the average you know, the average kind of benchmark and the chronotype sinks from sort of 21 to around 65. And then from 65 um, till, you know, the end, uh, we would be looking at maybe changing. So you could switch it. But I, I kind of look at a chronotype as optimization. I know uh, you're not necessarily a fan of that word because it's hard to, uh, you know, actually say, right, how did we optimize? Like, where, where do we ever reach an endpoint? But the, the chronotype is... I think genetics play a role and it's about 20%, right? So, you know, epigenetics, 80%. If you're Arnold Schwarzenegger's best mate, you're probably going to be pretty jacked and uh, go to the gym a lot, right? So, you know, if that epigenetics and life experience going to play a big role, but for somebody who's got uh, children, does it even matter that you're a morning lot, uh, sorry, a night owl? Because you probably have to wake up pretty early for your kids, right? (laughs) So we kind of got to, we got to disregard the chronotype for some people, chronotypes are really for high performers who are in control of their time and they can decide what time they start work and when they finish the other thing as well is what what serves you what sleep time serves you because you might be a morning light but right now you might be in a phase of life where you're you know you've got certain classes you're teaching and you're like right i've actually got to wake up pretty early whereas when they're done there might be a new season of life where it's actually i'm going to wake up much later so I, I'm a big fan of the law of individuality, is that no two entities are the same. And chronotype can help. I've I've worked with so many people, we can sink anyone into any pattern we want. You know, ideally we'd be awake in the day and we would be going to sleep at night. But for shift workers, I've I've achieved shift workers fantastic sleep when they go to sleep at 8 p.m. and wake up at 4 a.m. And they've got better sleep from some of the daytime sleepers. So I think through consistency, our circadian rhythm can sink to any time. Um, I was uh, a night owl. So I used to work in London in the city and I'd go to bed around midnight. Um, I would wake up around kind of 8 a.m. and not want to get out of bed. And I'd roll into work around 9 a.m. and uh, begin my day. Now, when I got into my worst health, I been, I then I was actually very successful in the corporate world I just lost all meaning of life because it was just money. It was just money, money, money. And I was like, where is this going? I got very lost and depressed. And it was at that point I decided to really focus on what made me happy. And it was actually coaching people. Uh, I mentioned earlier I'd been to Thailand. And uh, when I was in Thailand, I'd, I'd learned Muay Thai. I was Buddhad as a well lot as a kid. So I kind of wanted to uh, learn self-defense and martial arts. And, and when I got back, a lot of people asked for my help. I said, oh, my God, like you know, can you help me get into shape kind of similar to what I did? So I kind of looked back at that time and I thought, you know, what made me happiest is actually helping people. So um, I took an 80% pay cut against every everybody's advice from my family and my friends. Was like, Are you crazy? Like, how can you go and earn that money now? But I was like, it, it's really what I'm passionate about is helping people. It's not necessarily about the money. Um, and at that point, I started investing in my health. So I did a DNA test and it said I was a morning lark and I was like, there's no way. Like, I love, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love being in a bar with a drink, partying, doing that kind of stuff, right? And then I started looking at the trends in the sleep tracking data I was looking at. And I started seeing this kind of ladder up. When you look at like a sleep, uh, sleep patterns, like a V formation, right? So we can see a 90 minute V formation and the ladder up in the morning is your body temperature, your uh, cortisol, and adrenaline waking you up. I kept seeing this 530, 540 pattern. So, okay, I keep seeing it. So then I started reverse engineering and then started going to sleep way earlier. And when I woke up at 5.30 in the morning, I felt fantastic. I was like a different human being. So I I didn't need coffee for hours. Uh, I felt happier. I was more mentally alert. And I found so many more hours in my morning where I could really use peak brain time. And it was crazy. But now it became very boring because I'm going to sleep at like 9 p.m. in the evening or I'm (laughs) I'm in bed at 9 p.m. So if someone's got a birthday or or a, a social event, I'm kind of like the first person there and the first one to leave. And uh, not necessarily the funnest person uh, for social events, but it, it's really where I unlocked my best performance, and, and that's that's what I've achieved for a lot of entrepreneurs as well. Is I think a lot of us through society we've gone to sleep later and later and later, we wake up later and feel worse and worse and worse. When actually through just good routines, kind of starts with dinner. If we can have dinner and leave a free three hour gap minimum between when we're finished eating and going to sleep, now that allows our body to be able to go to sleep. The blood can leave our gut and go to our brain to sleep. And if we can just set that first kind of perimeter, now people start falling asleep earlier. And a lot of people I work with, it's just, we're just gradually shifting backwards, backwards, backwards. But now they've got this peak brain time in the morning. They never knew they had, like I didn't. And they're just on the next level of productivity. So the estimation in the population is, uh, morning locks and 70% night hours. If you like, I can ask a a question because it's something I do on some of my um, presentations to your audience and they can kind of, without a DNA test, they can probably determine it if you like.
0: Yeah, yeah, what's the question?
1: So if you just grab a pen and paper um, or a, a document, so we'll go through three questions and then we should, some people will be all over the place some people have a clear definition so hopefully you'll be one of those clear definition people but uh, the first one would be if you were to go to the gym and break a world record so your best uh your best bench your best deadlift whatever it might be would you choose a the morning b the afternoon or c the evening so a b or c so if you had to break a world record your best performance in the gym and if you're more of a runner you know kind of think about sprint or like if you're an endurance athlete what time of day would you do so it'd be A, B, or C, morning, uh, afternoon, or evening. Second question is, if you had to write a 2,000-word article in your favorite magazine, what time of day would you choose? Would you choose A, B, or C? So morning, afternoon, or evening. And the next one would be, what is your favorite time of day? Is it morning, afternoon, or evening? So you should have A, B, or C. So, Mike, what did you get?
0: I got B, A, A.
1: Yeah, awesome. So you're... Definitely for morning luck. So we, we can see a pretty good inclination for that. Um, the afternoon is your favorite time of day. Why is that?
0: Um, I had morning was my favorite time of the day, but oh, sorry, afternoon which was- would be the best for performance.
1: All right. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Um, yeah, so some people are AAA. So we just know very morning luck. You don't need a DNA test. It's your favorite time of day. And some people are more evening. Now, the gym performance is very interesting because I'm the same. So I, I go around 3 p.m., and our body temperature uh, reaches a certain point where actually peak performance can be found there. For a lot of people, who have best muscle muscle building ability and cardio um, uh, cardio output at that time as well. So that there's a good pocket of time in the morning for testosterone release for the morning lark. That's great for peak brain time. Or if you wanted to do maybe a hundred meter sprint and uh, push yourself in something like that. But for most people, we're going to find that kind of afternoon period is best for workout and if you're performance oriented, that could be 30 percent you're leaving on a table if you're to do the workout at the wrong time of day some people just want to get it done in the morning but if it's about performance then really the afternoon for morning larks and more of that evening time uh would be for the night owl um you know they're the kind of people in the gym at 6 p.m lifting heavy weights like i don't want to lift at 6 a.m or 6 p.m i'd definitely be in the middle
0: yeah, I've done that before. Like I said, when I was in doing my master's, uh, I would lift at 7.30 at night, right? Because I found I had class all day. I had a bunch of responsibilities, have dinner a couple hours after dinner. But then, like I said, I would go to bed between one and three in the morning. So I found my evening was the only time I really had available, but that also allowed me to work later. And I think I realized I used that to kind of push everything later in the evening. Because even now I played around with it. Like if I lift at even 5 or 6 p.m. and I don't get no caffeine, don't get real amped up or anything, just just a normal strength training routine that I would do, my sleep is just not nearly as good um, for three, four, five hours. It's usually trying to get to sleep is a little bit later and then quality of sleep I've noticed is quite a bit less.
1: Yeah, and, and the the I kind of talked about dinner being the set point to think about, but it would actually be working out because your the body temperature in the morning is going to rise to wake you up. So that natural mm-hmm. kind of 5.30 I was talking about, my body wants to wake up 5.30, 5.40. So the body temperature is going to rise in that rhythm. Uh, in the afternoon, we actually have a little dip. So that could actually be a, a hardwired opportunity to nap. So it's debatable that, you know, if we look at places like Greece who have siestas, Uh, they actually took away naps and heart attacks went up by quite a lot. I think it was Hmm. like 20, 30%. So there is an argument that naps are actually good for us. And uh, the Greeks and Spanish aren't lazy. They're 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 doing what the body wanted to do. Um, So after that dip, the body temperature increases uh, all the way to the end of the day and then dips. When it dips, that's actually going to instigate our sleep. And if it doesn't dip, we're going to stay awake. And I think You know, just people knowing the education for your audience is is there needs to be four hours between when you finish your workout and actually going to sleep. So it's a a tough one because if you finish working out at 6 p.m., well, let's say you work out at 6, you finished at 7, you're then going to probably have a protein shake and then you're going to eat. So maybe you'd finish eating at 8 p.m. And if you try to go to sleep at kind of 10 or 11, it'd be pretty tough for the food um, and also the body temperature. So giving that four hour buffer from the end of a workout to going to sleep and then a three hour buffer from food uh, to going to sleep. If you could give more from food as well, it'd be great if you give five hours. uh, But, you know, probably like your audience. And when I first heard three hours, like, how the hell am I going to do that? I go to work (laughs) and I get back and then I've got to have dinner. Like, how can I give three hours? Where do I find the time? But essentially it comes to preparation and just shifting everything a little bit earlier can you maybe uh, something I do for myself and my clients is I make the same thing for lunch uh, and dinner, so I batch make that, and then dinner can be quite quick, and therefore I can kind of get in a bit earlier. So as a as a morning lark, I have dinner at five, which people look at me like a very strange person, but that's where I know that's I kind the of finish. old people
0: early bird dinner, right? You get a it's discount the early bird dinner. Yeah, you know,
1: <laughs> I was actually on a on a date not long ago, and it was it was ten thirty at night, and I and I yawned. And a lady was like, am I, am I, boring you? I'm like, look, I'm really sorry. I'm normally, I'm normally asleep at this yeah. point and it quickly got an Uber home and that was the end of it. And I was like, yeah, I need to go for lunch date. So it just shows our body when we, we get consistent, um, you know, we're going to want to do the same things at the same time. So it is boring. That part is boring, but it really is where peak performance can lie is that consistency. And if we can kind of aim for sort of 90, 95%, um, then we can really get, you know, a lot done. Um, through, uh, through our best brain performance, our best physical performance and um, choosing the time that matters. So, so yeah, it, it's not always clear cut with the chronotypes. I thought I was a night owl when actually my favorite time of day now is morning for sure. So the genetic report did help me uncover that. I don't think I'd have seen that trend and linked the dots. Otherwise, uh, something with the DNA I kind of say is it removes the guesswork. So we can kind of look at and pinpoint those, uh, you know, kind of lifestyle um, but then also factor in DNA as well
0: for mental performance. What do you think is like the maximal time, like duration of time you can be at close to a peak performance? Like how many hours per day that you could do day in and day out? I have my own little thoughts on this, but I'm curious as to what you think?
1: Yeah. Peak performance. I I've, I like the morning so if I was to wake up at 5 uh, 30 do a morning routine for myself for about an hour so I like my brain just to kick in um gradually and then I kind of get into you know deep work which a lot of people think about um I, I would say personally I can find my peak brainer for two to four hours but there has to be intervals it cannot be concurrent and I think our attention span is about 20 minutes long. So if we're actually, if you're studying something, I would want to, you know, really kind of go for maybe 20 minute uh, portions. If you're working for an hour, definitely a 55 minute break for sure. So just five minutes of taking away from the screen. Um, so I think, you know, having those intervals could be a toilet break, could be water, just getting off the screen. You could actually even go for a quick nap because you could retain information better after starting and then napping, which is pretty cool. So yeah, I think we're all different, but peak brain time, I think I think really it would be sort of between two and four hours. And then after that, I kind of have to get to lunch as a period of time, have a balanced lunch, avoid carbohydrates because that can slow you down to kind of high fats, high proteins. And then in the afternoon, switch gears into creative work. I could still do some high process brain stuff in the afternoon, but I'll switch gears into client calls, into uh, speaking to new clients, into kind of creative. Then into the gym. After the gym, I will get back and do some light stuff, social media, you know, interviews like this. It's not my. Peak, I'm not in my peak brain time right now. <laughs> um, and then I'd start winding down. So I'd, I, I kind of know I've got a small amount of time to get the main things done. at one in the morning, like eat before a lot of people say. So for me, between two and four hours, but with intervals, and I just know in the afternoon and the evening, my brain is not the same. So that's kind of how how I look at it.
0: Yeah, I mean, my guess, especially over the years, is like four to six hours is like pushing it, right? I think most people are probably pretty similar. So it was interesting you said like two to four, um, because I think there's this sort of, myth that, oh, I can be super productive like 12 hours a day every day. And maybe there's some mutants who can do that. But when I've looked and seen what people actually do, they have 12 hours of just being distracted for like 10 of the hours. So they have this illusion that they're productive because they were on Twitter and they're on social media and they checked their email and they wrote an article and they proofed an article and they went to the gym. and But it just seems very distracted which i think you can probably do but if they're solving a task writing an article you know doing something creative like so i call that like you know cal newport has like the concept of deep work like doing something that's in depth i think the time that people can spend doing that is much more limited than what they think that it is
1: yeah because um you know mark cuban said one of the biggest skill sets you can have is how you learn because if you can yes. learn and actually retain it, and I was the uh, you know fifty-two books a year guy, like oh yeah, read a book on Audible, one point five speed, 2 speed? Right, book, finish book, finish book. Yeah. And then someone asked me a question, and as a basic, and I didn't know the answer. I was like, I'm not retaining the information. So mm-hmm. what I realized is I'd I'd study a subject with notes. I would study the same subject again, review the notes, and I'd study the third time without needing to take notes and actually retain it. And it was only the third time I really got it. Now, I'm not ever the smartest guy in the room. So I, I, you know, I'm sure Elon Musk might just crack it in one, but I feel that mastering information takes repetition, deliberate practice to actually go over it and go over it if you actually really want to know the foundations of something. So I'm, I'm a big fan of repetition now through, uh, you know, joining the uh, impatient crowd of 52 books a year, uh, it'd be very interesting to pick someone's brain on one of those books and a simple fact and or a simple principle of the book and say, could you explain that to me? And I might be like, um, a bit like I was. So, so yeah, it's, it's interesting. You say about distraction. I, if I hear a notification, I'm like, you've got a problem because mm-hmm. you are not present with me. And I've, I've been on these calls with people and I was very surprised how successful we were and they had notifications. And of the day I, I, tested one 24-hour period without notifications if you don't do this i'd highly suggest it you realize i realized how addicted to my phone i was looking at it i, was, I haven't looked at it for two minutes and then was looking back at it after an hour i wonder if someone's replied but i was so much happier when i blocked out time in the morning uh in the midday around lunch and in the evening to check so i was free in between because you might just go to the elevator to go downstairs or let me check my phone. Oh my God, there's a fire I need to put out. Oh my, like there's, there's going to probably be a problem that needs to be solved from the information. You've got new information, there's a problem. And now your brain's got to think, and that's where we get into overwhelm. So we're distracted and we're overwhelmed and we're not present. So if we can find time to uh, disconnect, find time to do those kind of small things. So like you said, there's peak brain time, but what do you do with your low yielding tasks? You know, can we just block out load into tasks and just get those done? And I think from productivity standpoint, it's, uh, you know, I've, I've helped out a lot of people with um, their sleep. We give them better sleep. We give them better energy. Then we go into productivity. and We block time. And now you can just finish the day and actually not pick your phone up when you're with your wife or your husband. And you can just be present with them. And when you go to work, you can be present with them. Because there, there was a study from some of the world's most successful people with Henry Ford and people like that and said one of their biggest assets was they could get home from work and completely disconnect and when they're in work they're in work and when they got home they could have a family life so i think having that uh, disconnect is vital uh, especially if you want to stay married or or keep your partner you know you've got to be present with them and give them that quality time
0: yeah you mentioned some am and pm routines like what do you kind of do and what are some things you would suggest for both of those
1: so morning, I kind of have three free staples and, you know, habits uh, to kind of stack these three together as a as a starting place. So num- number one would be light. And I know you've talked about this. I loved what you said about mm-hmm. watching the sunrise would be fantastic. So if we can kind of uh, let the sun hit our face without looking directly at the sun, and it, it depends where you are in the world, how much, uh, you know, how much light has actually been emitted from the sun, but could be sort of anywhere from two to 60 minutes um you know just to get outside would be great so a dog walk could coincide with that so you get movement at the same time the second one is water um we we lose an estimated liter of water through dehydration just by breath while we're sleeping so the first thing would be to rehydrate so in the first 60 minutes get one liter uh, of water uh, in your system and uh, the third one would be to journal and to plan your day so you can actually do all three together which is why habits stack from the client so the first habit would be to um you know to when you wake up actually just turn on the lights in your house just get as much light as possible on the way to the kitchen you now pick up a large glass of water or maybe some small ones and you know exactly perfect um so we've got the water then go sit down at a desk now um if you've got sunlight outside fantastic go sit outside with the water without directly looking at the sun let the sun hit your face and you know in england i kind of find about 20 minutes is good for me in dubai i found that five minutes was good for me because i was sweating so (laughs) profusely but then in the winter or if i'm in an environment without sun available it's the artificial light and i'll probably need about 60 minutes of that because it's nowhere near as powerful as the sun Uh, there's a free app you can use called lux where you can actually see Uh, you know, the lumens that are actually being emitted from light, which is pretty cool. So uh, you can check that out and test it because I had, um, you know, a very different amount in Dubai versus artificial light. So if you are inside, uh, you could be drinking water, like I've got a big light box uh, looking at me now. And I could journal whether that's written, or um, like with pen and paper, or it's on a computer. And I'm just addressing my thoughts. So I'm finding gratitude, I am saying what's on my mind today. Is something bugging me from yesterday? Have I got to solve a problem today? What are my intentions for today? And just downloading my thoughts and kind of having that chat. And you know that that journal could last me two minutes because I'm just on it, feel good. Or it could be could be two pages where I'm really addressing a problem. And I have to um, shout out Brian uh, Grasso and Kerry Campbell for journaling because they got me into it, and it's been nice. in- instrumental for myself and my my clients. Uh, I was very resistant, but it, it absolutely changed my life because it's it's the morning check in uh, with myself, so I can turn up to the world in in alignment. Where I'm thinking, I'm not sure about that problem I've got to solve. it. I've got some sort of idea of clarity on it, or or a way I'm going to solve it. So there'd be my three things in the morning. So it'd be it'd be light, water, and journal. Plan your day. When we get to the evening, it would start. I would actually say after dinner would be the, the habit that I'd build there. So you finish dinner, I would now brain dump from the day. So I'd, I'd do a to-do list. So I plan for half an hour. I plan uh, my day the next day and just say, right, what have I got on? What are the urgent things I need to think about tomorrow? Having an urgent and non-urgent list, a really, really cool for productivity is something I've, I've sort of uh, discovered. So I'll plan my day, but I'll brain dump anything on my mind. Now, that brain dump, again, could be conflict could be a business idea but i don't know how i'm going to solve it but what i'll do is i'll plan when to solve that so let's just say i've got a conflict to my business i'm going to say right tomorrow at 10 p.m uh, sorry tomorrow at 10 a.m i'll have a meeting with my team on that conflict or i'm gonna block out half an hour to solve that tomorrow now my subconscious is like, angus cool we got that covered we're going to cover that tomorrow and i think a lot of sleep disturbances happen around 3 4 a.m and people say i've got a race in mind or they couldn't get to bed, which is actually the biggest reason for sleep disturbance is overthinking. So that journal after dinner uh, helps you do the brain dump from the day and then plan the next day. And now you can go to bed with hopefully more of a clear mind so you can get sleep, but then stay asleep as well. So I think that's not discussed enough. I wouldn't do it right before bed because it's too thought provoking. I, I do it after dinner and go, right, Oh I have only bananas on my shopping list. If you do that an hour before bed, it'll be like a couple of minutes before bed, oh, I forgot bananas, <laughs> right? And that's going to disturb you. So, you know, that's what I do is number one is the brain dump after dinner. Uh, number two, I'd start reducing light uh, in my environment. And I think two hours is a sweet spot for most people. Now, it's a struggle with most high performers to say two hours. And I, I used to think this, too, I, I could get so much done in two hours, right? Mm. But its We're now getting into you walking into the bank at night and you're going to go pay some money into the cashier. And it's the investment of a good night's sleep. So if if we can kind of say, you know, for me, I think you're probably similar as about 8 p.m. I know that this is the time where I need to have a kill switch mentality off of all social media, all technology. And I'm going to go relax and wind down. So you could do whatever you want in your evening routine. You could watch a movie as long as it's not, you know, Vikings or something, uh, blood and guts, <laughs> comedy, uh, entertainment would be good. And then, you know, winding down from sort of eight uh, until 10 uh, and we're reducing light. So you can use blue blockers if you're watching a screen. That's cool. Um, you know, just don't be too close to screens is the main thing about two meters away would be great. Um, so you've you've sort of done that. And then I would incorporate the advice earlier on is just look at when you finish working out and when you finish eating. And you want to give four hours between when you finish working out and three hours between when you finished eating. So to kind of put that all together, the first one would be planning your workout time if it's in the afternoon or the evening. So you're planning a four-hour break. Then plan in your dinner time. So there's a three-hour break. After dinner, Plan in that brain dump for the next day. Block it in your diary, 30 minutes to plan your next day. Uh, maybe longer, you might need an hour depending on what your job is or if you've got a, a PA or whatever you might have. Uh, plan the next day. Don't outsource it to your PA because you need to actually brain dump <laughs> yourself. It's not something you want to automate. Um, and then starting to reduce light. And, and I think that would be uh, where I'd go. Um, there, there'd be the main things that can work really, really well. But uh, I I don't hear enough people talking about the journal. And maybe it's because of the Brian and Kerry link. Uh, I'm I'm more pro journaling and talking about the brain dump because the biggest disturbance is overthinking. So is that preventable? Yes, it is. You know, we, we have control of our thoughts. Therefore, we can uh, control over thinking. It's just most people aren't willing to address their thoughts. But downloading them, I think, is a is, is a nice way to do it because we can uh, plan the next day.
0: No, I love that. I, I find that journaling, or I just call it like a brain dump or planning, so I tend to in a perfect world, but we'll do a brain dump, like you said, at the end of the day. Sometimes it doesn't happen until the next morning. And then in the evening, try to plan, okay, what have I got going on tomorrow? What are my top objectives? What are the deep work things I have to do in the morning, getting that set up? So now I'm like working on a book. So the first thing I would do, get up, do a little morning routine of what I'm doing. I'll do a little cardiovascular routine, some red light, go outside, meditate for a while. And then the first thing I do as soon as I open my computer is writing on that, and then I'll have whatever else goes on during the day. But ideally, that's all planned out the the day before. And I'm sure you found this the same thing too. Is like I, I try not to do this, but sometimes it happens when I'm traveling. Like if I check email first thing in the morning, it's like someone just short circuited my brain. It's like it's this weird perception of like you're being productive. That's like everybody else's agenda of stuff. And then I find if I have to get back to writing or some type of creative deep work thing after that, I can do it, but it's just seems to be a lot harder because my brain's already going down 52 different rabbit holes of other stuff already.
1: Yeah, it's it's a very interesting point. And I think, you know, more. the more people I've worked with, and it's sort of been a common theme recently when I've been traveling, I can't wait to get back into my routine. Is what they mm-hmm. said Not, i can't wait to get back home but my routine because the brain knows what's familiar and there's so much less to think about so you've got your routine dialed in at home it's kind of taken care of right but when we're traveling there's so many new things to think about we might wake up a little bit later we might not have a great night's sleep um the, the downside of dubai is supercars so you've got these supercars screaming around at like <laughs> 4, 3 4 a.m in the morning waking me up right so I've got earplugs, but even then some of these uh, very expensive cars are very, very loud. Um, So, you know, you've not had a good night's sleep. Now in the morning, you know, a lot of people might say, oh, you know, we should all think positively every day. We should be go-getters. But if you've had a bad night's sleep, your brain is going to be more driven negatively. You know, Mm -hmm. we already are driven negatively if we had a good night's sleep. So let's put in a bad night's sleep. Now we're dopamine seeking even more and go, I wonder if that person replied to that email. Yeah. I wonder if that deal was dropped in. I wonder if my wife messaged me to make sure she's okay, right? And now we're in that mode and we we go into that negotiation where we go, actually, should I just pick it up? And you might pick it up before you've realized the consciousness of subconscious being five seconds apart. You might suddenly be there and go, well, what am I doing? I'm scrolling. And I, I actually find myself doing that sometimes. I'm, I have a kind of free finger sc- and I realize I'm scrolling. I'm like, what am I doing? right my my distracted brain was seeking that kind of dopamine so so yeah i'll be honest sometimes i've i've succumbed to that where you just you're suddenly in gmail and like you know you you just often some tangent but your reaction time uh can actually be similar to being drunk and, and your brain at that point like waking up in sleep inertia you could misinterpret what somebody says you could say the wrong thing and probably not going to be the best version of you replying to that email. So yeah, kind of winning that battle. Cold shower is a good example where I've been doing it for years every day, but probably 70% of the time, my brain goes, Angus, should we just skip it today? You know, it's a bit cold outside.
0: Should <laughs> Mine we just- does that about 99% of the time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you win the battle every day, right? Yeah. Exactly. So that's what we need to do more. We need to win the battle between our personality and our pre-wired survival system. And that's where we kind of push through is say, uh, should we just have that donut? Should we, uh, should we check that email? But we just need the goal as the driver for reason not to do it. And I think that's the, uh, that's the rebuttal.
0: Yeah. I have a freezer. I've converted into cold water immersion in my garage so I can get in there. It's currently set at like 42 degrees Fahrenheit i'm doing it since right after covid so we're coming up on almost two years most time when i'm at home and even then it's still the battle i've never once have i woken up going yes i'm so excited to do it (laughs) and that point you know right before you turn the nozzle or right before you get in it's just your brain fighting yourself going i don't want to do this it's a stupid idea it's the the limbic part of your brain is like we could die if we're left in here cold water could kill us which could but you know your safety margin is really high and then I always think of it's the professor prefrontal cortex that has to talk the other part of your brain into doing it. It's like, no, we're going to do this. And if I'm really tired and not feeling it, my goal then is okay, I just have to get in, get my breathing under control. And at that point I can decide to get out if I want, right? Yeah. It's just, you have all these little th- deals you make with yourself of, oh, okay. I just have to write one page or write a newsletter, or write an email. Okay. And then maybe I'll check my email. And then once you finish that, you're like, well, maybe I could do something else, right? So you kind of have this sort of renegotiation with yourself all the time, which I think everybody does. And for years, I thought I was just a crazy person. until I realized that this is common for almost every human.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the more I've learned about the brain and I still honestly, are scratching the surface, we're, we're all just very, very similar uh, in, in the way we work, the way we think. Uh, something, something I did to get into cold showers because you know, it's unfamiliar to start with, isn't it? You, honestly, like you, I, I watch people freak out. And what I say to clients is, right? You, you do your shower at your normal temperature, and then at the end, we'll go 10 seconds full cold. So you just get the dial and go all yep. the way before you can think about it. And I I, I will negotiate myself. If, if I inched it, I'd probably start negotiating. So I just go, boom, before I can think about it, 10 seconds. Now, the next day, add another 10. Now, the first day, you'll be freaking out, and you'll be, oh, my God, it's cold water, right? Next day, be similar. But when you get to like the fifth day or the sixth day, you start loving them, and you start going, "Oh my god, I've I've got this feeling afterwards, of feeling on fire." So what I did was because I was freaking out, started I actually turned my boiler off. So the only option was full cold, and I did <laughs> that for a month in December in England, which is uh, which is pretty cold. Ooh, right? that's chilly. But then I I, I had no option, uh, so I took away the option and the negotiation out of it, and um that's how I got into them. But now I'm addicted. Uh, I'm always disappointed. If I go to a country and it's not cold. So Spain might not have a cold shower. Bali didn't have a cold shower. Dubai, mm-hmm. some of some of the hotels were cold. Back in England, it's, it's full cold. So I'm love loving being back in England for the for the cold immersion.
0: Yeah, last part real quickly and then we'll wrap up is uh Aura Ring. You said you like Aura Ring, you use it for tracking. Uh shout out to her pre at aura. I've used it for a long time. I like it. Um, what are kind of like the top things you briefly look at on Aura for sleep?
1: Well, actually, I'll I'll say the most important metrics I look at aren't uh, to do with sleep. So the first one is body temperature deviation. Um, it's actually why the NBA signed up with Aura was to track their players during COVID so they could actually see their body temperature increase. So for a yep. high performer... Uh, I ate some bad uh, sushi and uh, my body temperature went up by two point two in the app, which is you're pretty ill when you got to that point. but oh yeah, we, what we can do is we we can track um, we can see a precursor for somebody who's about to get ill or who is overtrained, right? So if you've got an aura ring and you're kind of looking at the metrics, I'd say 0.4 would be something to uh, take some consideration also is your hiv down and you also feel feel is the most important thing feeling is 80 percent. 20 percent the data is really really important so the let's just say it was 0.4 on a monday the next day it's 0.7 okay we're probably on the way to some form of illness your body is overheating so do we need to double down on some recovery do we need to move leg day from that day to maybe later in the week so not skip it but let's just change the day we're going to get it done um and, you know, now we're at one, we're probably ill at that point, but if we could get some vitamin D and we could get some vitamins and we could kind of prevent illness, it's pretty good for business not to get ill. And I've, from tracking with aura, um, I, I wasn't ill, uh, for, I didn't have any sort of illness for three years and it was made, I, I definitely credit vitamin D. Uh, you know, I think that's really fantastic for helping minimize, um, and avoid getting ill. Uh, I'd improve my sleep and I'd improve my lifestyle and wasn't really drinking alcohol and getting good sleep and not overtraining. So, you know, there are loads of factors in there. So body temperature deviation is fantastic. And then it'd be HRV it would be the second one because now we can see your ability to perform every day and then we can really start improving that number. Um, and you know, people just notice if you feel better. So if if I could just have blinkers on and just see two things, I would look at temperature deviation and uh, HRV but for anyone that's tracking with Aura or their sleep tracker, go into your data and look at that biological wake up and see if you can see the trend. So it's kind of like a ladder, um, you know, in the morning is going to wake you up. So I'd, I'd look for that biological trend and that you want to reverse engineer. You have a unique amount of sleep that your body will need. So are you uh, a bodybuilder? Are you an NBA athlete who sleeps for, you know, 12 hours a day? Um, you know, are you a, um, you know, a nine to fiver who works out once a week or a nine to fiver who works out five times a week, right? So all those variabilities will depend on how much sleep you need. But if you can look at your, uh, your biological wake up trend, ideally over four weeks, 12 weeks would be great. And then I'd reverse engineer that for how much sleep you might need. So that's kind of where I'd start because we can, um, you know, most people are going to sit around seven and a half and just one last thing on aura is don't play the game on their sleep score because you're an individual and they're basing it on the human average and you're not an yeah. average person. So I have a client who's getting sixties and fifties every day. And they were like, Oh my God, Angus, like what's going on? This very <laughs> successful person as well. We got the DNA test back and at baseline, their body needs under seven a night. And then we looked the the data and we're getting six and a half hours of quality sleep. And I'm like, you're, this is, this is what you want to achieve. Don't play their game. So you know just be wary of their uh their score and just be looking at improving your baselines. So an hour and a half for seven seven hour, an hour and a half of REM, hour and a half of deep sleep, uh for around a seven hour uh sleep session would be fantastic. So just kind of looking looking at that.
0: Awesome. Well thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And we'll have to have you back on and maybe we'll do a deep dive into aura and temperature and maybe lucid dreaming and a bunch of other weirdo stuff too, because I have lots of questions. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's a very exciting topic. I'll tell you what we could do, because uh, I've, I've got Aura Teams, so I can actually plug your data into Aura and I can look at oh, cool. all of your history and we can look at all your trends. So if you wanted to yeah, that'd it, be awesome. we could actually share that on screen and um, you know look at your trends and, and see see where things are going. And you can no doubt give me some tips on HRV with that as well, which would be pretty cool.
0: Awesome. And where can people find more about you?
1: Uh, so the, the current website is sleepprocoach.com. Um, we're actually in the process of redoing it. So it just kind of explains what we do with aura DNA testing. Um, and we also have uh, a course for coaches and we, we help educate them on sleep as well, just because it's uh, it's an industry where, you know, so many personal trainers have got really no knowledge on sleep. And it's such an important thing to, to be able to help their clients out. So, uh, or I'm on Facebook, Angus Buckle, you can, you can drop me a message.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I would highly encourage everyone to check that out. I know you've got a lot of great information there and really appreciate it. And we will definitely be in touch and have you back on. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks, Mike. Really appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Really appreciate it. I know you've got tons of different options with uh, everyone and their brother and their dog creating a podcast now. So thank you so much for listening to this. Big thank you to Angus for coming on here and uh, helping us out with sleep and productivity and everything else. Make sure to check him out at sleepcoach.com. He's got a lot of great information there. And if you can leave us a review or four stars or five stars or I don't know, whatever. (laughs) can tell how much I know about this. Whatever the maximum stars are or if you don't think we deserve any stars, leave that too. I don't care. Uh, But leave us some feedback because that Uh, helps us get other people onto the podcast and gets better information into the ear holes of a lot of other people. So thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate it. And we will be back with you next week once again. As always, we're brought to you by the Flex Diet Cert. So go to flexdiet.com. It will open again in early June 2022. You'll be able to get on the wait list there. Uh, For eight interventions to maximize your body comp and performance, all without ruining your health. These are primarily geared more towards nutrition and recovery. So all things like uh, protein, carbohydrates, fats, a little bit about keto, intermittent fasting, uh, NEAT, such as walking, so non-exercise activity, thermogenesis, walking, twitching, moving around, exercise, sleep, micronutrition, and much more. I'll put in a complete system that makes it easy to apply to yourself or to your clients themselves. So go to flexdiet.com. You'll be able to sign up there onto the wait list. Thank you so much. We will talk to you all next week.
1: Hey, what are you doing?
0: I dropped my gum. Hey, lady, would you toss my gum up? (laughs) You could have taken
1: it out of the wig first.